G'day, welcome along to another sermon from Good News Christian Church in Howrah, Tasmania, Australia. I'm Bernard Kane, I'm the pastor. Get in touch sometime at goodnewschristianchurch.org or why not come by one Sunday morning. For now, here's the sermon. Let's, uh, let's read from God's Word, brothers and sisters. So, uh, open up your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 34. That's going to be our Old Testament reading for today, Ezekiel chapter 34, um, as we uh, get into God's Word. And as I said, I'm going to read from the NIV, Ezekiel chapter 34 and from verse 11 is where I'm going to read. Uh, in future weeks, hopefully I'll have someone else uh, read the scriptures for us, maybe Katie or someone else, just to kind of, so it's not me for the whole time. Anyway, have you got it there? Ezekiel 34, that's big number 34 in the text. Ezekiel's in the Old Testament, he's one of God's prophets from way before Jesus, uh, speaking to the then people of God, um, the people of Israel, uh, who were, they were a corrupt people in terms of their leadership, in terms of like major issues um, of uh, rebellion against God, even amongst those who were directing Israelite society. Um, it was a dark period and yet Ezekiel uh, prophesied from God enormous promises of uh, what was to come. So Ezekiel chapter 34, have you got it there? Big number 34, little number 11 in the text where we read, for this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them, as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I'll rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I'll bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and I'll bring them into their own land. I'll pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I'll tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I'll search for the lost and bring back the strays. I'll bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And could we turn over to Luke chapter 15? Luke chapter 15. In the New Testament, so one of the four biographies of Jesus in our Bibles, Luke chapter 15, um, there's a, you'll find it in the contents page, it's, uh, it's, one of the, it's right toward the back of the Bible, Luke chapter 15, big number 15 in the text. And uh, we're kind of getting to the end of Jesus' ministry as he heads toward Jerusalem uh, in this part of Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 15 and verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and sinners all gathered around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, 
there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. Uh, The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Uh, Brothers and sisters, we live in a time of crisis. Uh, For a time of crisis for our neighbours and for our whole country, indeed for our whole world, uh, for our own hearts, some of us feel that particularly more than others probably. Uh, Crisis for our families, we wonder what the impact is going to be. Uh, on those we love, and it has come upon us 
with frightening speed. And as a result, I think most of us are scrambling uh, in one area or another, scrambling to figure out uh, what really matters to us, what's important uh, to us, how on earth we're going to preserve and sustain those things that really matter, even if all sorts of other stuff, for the time being at least, has to be put on hold or put aside. And I wonder if you've uh, shared that feeling with me uh, this week. Now, with that mood around about us um, and within us, uh, may I ask us this evaluative question for us as a church, particularly as we look at uh, Luke chapter 15, as Good News Church together, friends, how much of our heart is given to helping those beyond our, can I call it a holy huddle of church? How many, how much of our heart is given to helping those beyond our holy huddle, helping them to find in God their help and their uh, healing, spiritually speaking at least, uh, and their hope through the Lord Jesus Christ? How much of our heart is given to that? Could you put a number on it? Can you, I know it's difficult to do. Think about our ministries, perhaps, and the stuff that we do, at least, you know, up to several weeks ago. Uh, Think about what we do as a church. How much of our efforts and ministries and budget, uh, our programs and time and focus and all of the rest, is invested in seeing sinners come to repentance, uh, to use Jesus' language here? How much is invested in outsiders finding their way in with God? Uh, With those who are far from God, meeting Him and connecting with Him and becoming uh, reconciled to God and finding peace as they walk away from a life that's far from God and come back to Him and enter into a new spiritual home in their lives where they know God and love Jesus, have found Him and known and loved by Him. Can you put a number on that, I wonder? All right, then how about in your own life? So, if that's church life, how much of our efforts do we give to that? How about your own life, your decisions, the people that you spend time with uh, proportionally? How much of our heart is giving to helping those beyond uh, our holy huddle? Because, brothers and sisters, at this moment of change, of uh, re-evaluating what's important and what matters, uh, the kind of people that we need to be in the present crisis. Could we give that question a little bit of thought this morning? Here's the reason that I ask it. Look at Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, right? Look at the company that Jesus keeps. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law, the religious ones, muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. How much of the Pharisees' lives, right, those very upright, very proper, very religious Jewish experts in Jesus' day, how much of the Pharisees' hearts, the teachers of the law hearts, was invested in helping the hopeless, in helping the unholy and the hurting find the God of hope who was right there in their midst, the God that that they knew and served and worshipped in their holy huddle. I think Luke 15, right, it contains one of the most beautiful pictures of God's love for you, friends, 
And I really want us to hear that as we come to what is I th- it's my favourite parable in all of Jesus' teaching. Uh, and I, I want us to hear it for ourselves, the parable of the father and his two sons and his, his love for you, friends, is richer, far richer, far more ready, far more passionate than you could ever imagine. But Jesus tells that story, do you see, to people whose hearts needed to hear that God's love was for everyone. Uh, So for us, at this moment of kind of dramatic and sudden and unsettling change for our church, could it be that the heart of our God might give us not only a personal reassurance and comfort for us, my God loves me, my God loves you, uh, but a sense of calm, more than that, of purpose, of direction, uh, of compassion, as we're drawn to have our hearts beat in time with His for the world around about us. Let's uh, pray as we... Now look more closely at Luke 15, let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, may your word grip us this morning and take hold of us, may it, may it steady us, but also may it excite and inspire us to share Jesus' heart for our hurting world right now. Father, we know that time and again in church history, your people have done extraordinary and beautiful things in the name of Christ, right when things were falling apart around them. And God, we don't want to exaggerate our own self-importance, but we, we do want to respond well right now. And so we pray that your Holy Spirit would work amongst us and amongst your church the world over. We want to respond to this present crisis in a way that reflects our God's love for the world, rich and generous, self-sacrificial and vulnerable, Would you light the way for us, please? May we not turn inward and downward at the very moment when our world needs to find a hope in Christ that leads upward and outward. So stir our hearts, O God, with Jesus this morning, please, and it's in his name that we ask it. Amen. Does Jesus' company trouble you, the company that he keeps? Have you got an ear for what makes heaven happy? Will heaven's heart show in your hands and where do you stand? Uh, Those are the questions, those are the four questions, I'll say them again on the way through by the way, don't worry. Uh, We're going to take them fairly quickly this morning. Uh, I don't want to drone on for too long, you've been listening to me for quite a while already, I'm still figuring out this whole live streaming video sermon thing, so let's take these four questions from Luke 15 to teach our hearts to beat in time with the heart of Jesus for our world and the very first, it's so blunt and it's very practical, does the company that Jesus keeps trouble you? If we really think about it and get down to it, because it sure troubled them. Let's have another look. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Luke 15, verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And can I say, if you're a, a Christian, one of our regulars, a, a brother or sister in Christ, you know, regular here at Good News, if you're a Christian tuning in this morning, then I think that the temptation is to see the Pharisees right off the bat as the bad guys, as the religious scumbags, 
the ones that we like to give a bit of a kick to, as if anyone could be so awful and so horrid as those guys, tax, uh, sorry, the Pharisees and teachers of the law. But friends, can I just say, I think that is dangerous ground for us to be on because, in fact, ironically, that was exactly their posture to the people around Jesus, wasn't it? Uh, Look at those scumbags, those filthy sinners, those wretched tax collectors. Gosh, I'm glad I'm better than them, do you see? It's a bit arresting, isn't it? Um, uh, I came across this little quote this week. May I share it with you? It hit me between the eyes um, because it's asking the question, who do we, who do do I want to keep my distance from? And it wasn't written this week, it was written ages ago. It's written in light of these verses in Luke chapter 15. Uh, But... The answer right now for who do I want to keep my distance from is kind of, well, everyone, (laughs) because of social distancing, you know, one and a half metres and all of that. Everyone's talking about quarantine and isolation. But have a listen to this. Daryl Bock, expert on Luke, he puts it like this. He says, the disciple is not to withdraw into a cocoon. He's not making a comment on social distancing or, you know, physical distance, all that. Nevertheless, the disciple is not to withdraw into a cocoon, inoculated from people of the world. Rather, part of the mission is to love people and draw them to God. God searches for sinners who need to find their way to Him. Just as the shepherd left the 99 to find the one that was lost, disciples are to look for lost sheep and missing coins and to celebrate finding what was lost. Evangelism is grounded, he says, in the joy of recovery, Uh, which obviously leads into where we're going to go in just a second. I'll get there. But I think the initial question is, um, have I, you know, think back over your life, not just this week, but over the last months, years even, have I withdrawn into a cocoon, um, cut off from the people of the world? Have I done that for a very long time already, really? Or do I have meaningful and um, vulnerable and personal friendships with people beyond, with people outside our huddle as a church uh, and as Christians? Am I close to anyone in that way? Um, In Jesus' context, uh, obviously, chapter 15, verse 1, that meant some people of very questionable moral character, notoriously immoral, tax collectors and sinners, but I think it just holds for anyone outside our kind of little Christian huddle, doesn't it? Am I close and vulnerable? Do I have personal, meaningful friendships or am I stuck, withdrawn into a Christian cocoon? Does the, ca- does the company that you keep, that I keep, match the company that Christ kept? All right, there's the first question. Does the company that Jesus kept trouble you? Secondly, can you hear what makes heaven happy? Uh, Let's read on together. From verse 3, Luke chapter 15, little number 3 in the text, verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. 
I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And can I just say, I love the way, uh, I think it's verse 5, is it there? Verse 5? I love the way he calls his friends. And I don't just mean like calls them on the phone. He calls them together. He has them around. For what? For one sheep. Can we hear that? I guess I want us to ask, with all of the, uh, you know, ministries and emails and church rosters, we're busy with lots of things in, in the normal kind of pattern of church life. Does the cause of finding the one still make our hearts sing? Still lift our spirits? Still drive our efforts? In fact, is that why we're doing what we're doing? Is that what moves us, that joy? Because if, if that's what moves us and drives us, I think it will make leaving the 99 to go after the one that much easier, won't it? Because the shepherd here, he leaves the 99. Why? But precisely because of what that one means to him. Because of the value that he sees in the one, do you see? Uh, there'll always be comforts and joys if we just stick with the flock, if we keep our head down, if we stay with the 99, if we venture nothing, if we take no risks, if we keep to ourselves as a church, there'll always be comforts and joys in that. But we aren't sharing heaven's joys that way, if that's all we do, are we? Now, I guess you could say, but he might never have found the one, all right? He might have come back the next day and not found the one, and that's true, you know? And what then? But I think Jesus is saying, I'm the kind of saviour, I'm the kind of God who goes for the one. Now, are you my kind of people? I'm the kind of shepherd who looks for the lost. Uh, Not just happy if they happen to stumble in by accident and good for them. No, leaves the 99 and looks. Can you hear heaven's happiness? Thirdly, then will heaven's heart find help from our hands? From verse 8 of Luke 15. Or suppose a woman, second parable, second illustration, or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, She calls her friends, she does it again, doesn't she? And neighbours together and says, rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, friends, what does this story add? What's different between this? So much is the same between this one and the previous one. It's, it's, in, it's talking about heaven's joy. It's, it's this woman who finds something that was lost and, and she gathers everyone together. I think it's just this. The woman in this illustration, she's got grit. I think that's what's emphasized. Uh, you know, what's it say? Uh, verse 8, lights a lamp, sweeps the house, searches carefully until she finds it. Um, now, what does she light? A lamp? I'm not sure if she lights the lamp because... Um, that's how long it took, as in she just kept going on into the night until she found it, uh, or it's just to look in the dim and dark corners of her house because of fewer windows. I think it actually doesn't matter. In her church, 
evangelism isn't an afterthought, right? Uh, once the Bible studies are all up and running smoothly. Personal evangelism isn't a luxury if I happen to find the time. No, let us give ourselves, let us give our hands and our effort and our hearts and our heads and our all to the joy of heaven, to the coin uncovered, to the sheep discovered, to the soul saved. Friends, where do you stand? Final question, fourth question. And let me say, perhaps some of us are thinking, uh, you know, this sermon, this message, Bernie, of all the weeks, I really just needed some comfort this week, actually. Uh, not a kick in the pants. Uh, this is a week where I needed to hear some reassurance, not a redirection back out to battle. Then please, would you hear this? Where do you stand? The first and most important and pressing thing of all is this. Won't you stand right now in the loving embrace that God has ready for you? Is that where you already stand? Is that where you'll stay? Is that where God's love has found you this week in the, mix, in the midst of your anxiety and worries and pressures? We read from verse 11, Luke chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property, as in the father divided his property between the two sons, them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Just pause there for a second. Brothers and sisters, what are the Pharisees thinking at this point in the story? Okay, remember that's part of his audience, there's tax collectors and sinners, yes, but there's Pharisees and teachers of the law listening in and Jesus is quite obviously speaking with them in mind. What are the Pharisees thinking at this point, end of verse 16 in the story? I reckon it's this, it serves that younger son right. And brothers and sisters, I... I don't think they're monsters to think that way, all right? They, they had a keen sense of justice. Um, and you know what? I think Jesus would kind of agree. It does serve that younger son right. You look at what he's done there. Dad, I have better places to be than under your roof. I've got better things to do than anything your life here offers. There's a better life for me. And frankly, if you were out of the way, Dad then I'd have already gone and found it. Can I have my share of the estate, please? He liquidates everything that he's given and off he goes. Is there justice when a life like that kind of implodes? Um, it, it's ugly to look at, but it is kind of fair in a way. But it's just not what I want to be about, says Jesus. And it's not what I want you my followers, my disciples to be about and it's not where things need to end between God and you. Don't let them end that way with your life imploding and far from God. Uh, let's read verse 17, when he, this young man, came to his senses, he said, 
How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I've just knocked my notes clean off the pulpit. Let me grab them. What do you say? For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Friends, is that where you stand right now, brothers and sisters? In the loving and eager and generous and running towards you, uh, God, his embrace, who has loved you since before you ever gave him a thought. Is that where you stand? Um, Let me say clearly, you uh, you don't need to have made a mess of your life in the, to the kind of order that this young man has in order to find your way back to God this morning. If you imagine um, God as a God who would never run to you, um, least of all to you, if you imagine God as a God who is a grump and you'll get what you deserve maybe from him in the end, if you imagine God as a God who is all about sin and frankly he wouldn't know how to celebrate then won't you find a new God? Won't you find the real God, the one that Jesus is talking about here? Won't you come and stand not against and apart from and keeping a safe distance between you and God in your life? No, in this season especially where you need to know the love and closeness and nearness more than ever, won't you stand in the embrace that sweeps your past behind you and looks forward together at your life in the love of the Lord? Don't you do that today? But Daryl Bock on this next bit says this, he says, the story though leaves us hanging for we're not told what the elder son does. Where do you stand brothers and sisters? Where do you stand? Do you stand in the loving embrace of God? Have you come to that celebration of God This morning, where do you stand? I suspect the Pharisees, you see, they thought they were already at home with the Lord. Already in the loving warmth of his house. But were they? Are you this morning? A life that knows the love of the Lord for the lost is led by that same love to the lost for the Lord. Let's have a look at that older brother The parable, uh, oh sorry, no, let's listen to uh, Daryl Bock first. He says, the parable is left so that Luke's readers may reflect on the proper response. Would they, if they were in the older brother's shoes, would they go inside? Will they share in the joy? Will they join in the opportunity to help find the lost for God? Will they join the Father or stay outside? Will they learn from and imitate the Father? Grumblers and readers, 
are now faced with a moral choice and mere spectating is no longer possible. One must choose how to respond to Jesus' challenge to seek out sinners. Where do we stand, friends? Let's stand with Jesus. Let's eat with Jesus. Let's go with Jesus. Let's live and die and love and sing with Jesus. Meanwhile, the older brother, verse 25, was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. Our Father God, our God who has run to us, casting honour and reputation to the side for us, the God who has come for us meets and eats and lives and loves with us. Father, we confess to you this morning that our appreciation of the vastness of your love for this world has been hopelessly inadequate. It's far too small. We have underestimated your passion to see men and women and boys and girls who are far from you find you and be found by you and find in you a God who's never stopped loving our world. Father, we see that so clearly in Christ. We see it in his courage uh, to love the unlikely and we want to be like him. We see it in his self-sacrifice and we want to be like him in the hope that heaven might celebrate yet another and another and another found and rescued and repaired and restored as your love and hope reaches further and deeper into our world. Our world cut adrift from you, our world lacking in hope, our world that's in a real mess right now. May we, oh God, this week learn our Lord's love for the lost, even in the little things. And in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.